can't really sing. <laughs> la 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 Yeah. Hello and welcome to the SBNY podcast. My name is Peter Kennedy and I am your host. If you have not done so yet, please subscribe to this podcast on iTunes simply by searching Sports Blog New York Podcast or going to sportsblognewyork.com, clicking on the podcast tab, and clicking on any of those articles, which will lead you to the right place. Also, this podcast is now on Google Play for all you Android users out there. I know Alec, my man, joining me in just a minute. He's an Android user, and he's very happy now that the podcast is also on Google Play. So subscribe on there, as well as always on SoundCloud. But without further ado, the man who was not with me last week, he was a little sick. He's back and as average as ever. What's up, Alec Argento? What an introduction, Pete. What an introduction. I am here to give you lukewarm takes, uh, mediocre opinions, and we're going to save the day a little bit. So uh, I apologize to all of our passionate fans, all three of you. Uh, and uh, Five. Okay. Or we doubled. Oh, not doubled. Math's not my strong suit. I'm a, Fast. Super, I'm a sabermetrics kind of guy. Fastest growing <laughs> podcast. <laughs> but uh, I'm happy to be back. We're going to talk some stuff today. No, and of course, you know, I like to poke a little fun, but you bring some great lukewarm takes. Everybody <laughs> needs everybody needs lukewarm takes in their life, and we're going to bring you some of those all day. Listen, we're, uh, the, the world is saturated with hot takes. I'm here for the tepid ones, you know? Yeah, everybody's been burning their tongues lately, <laughs> and we need people to take a break. Just kind of soothe it out. Drinking like a tea... A nice hot cup of tea, but like five, ten minutes after it steeps. You know what I mean? I think we went too far into this analogy. Yeah. We're going to buck the trend. Let's, let's, let's just continue on with our sports talk. You're right. I definitely... Did you tell them to like share it on like MySpace and stuff? No, I figure that the <laughs> MySpace world kind of just runs itself at this point. It's true. So, it's just, just like once it gets on there, it's not <laughs> There's even There's no our, stopping it. <laughs> it's not up to us anymore. You know what I mean? Today on the podcast, we're going to be talking about, of course, the Final Four that is now, you know, official Final Four. We got some interesting teams. We got UNC... Versus Oregon, a one versus a three. And of course, we got the Zags, go Gonzaga, number one seed versus seven seed South Carolina this year's Cinderella story. And I have a mea culpa about the Cinderellas, maybe. Uh, we'll get into that in a minute. But also, we're going to talk about Isaiah Thomas a little bit and what the Celtics have to do when they take off their best player for defensive replacement in late in the fourth quarter. We'll get into that. As well as the Knicks tank, they've been losing games left and right. It's beautiful Let's for go. us Knicks fans out there. Hoping for the best draft pick. How sad is it? Oh, it's phenomenal. I love it. We lost two games to the Nets, and I was happy about it. It was great. We were at one of them. That's true. Uh, also, we're going to get into MLB, because the MLB season starts a week from now. Next Sunday, April 2nd, we got the MLB kicking off. We're going to talk about you know a little bit quick touch on the World Baseball Classic. Mets and Yankees, quick, 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 because later in this week, we're going to have on MLB.com Joe Trezza. He's going to talk about the Mets and Yankees and the whole league. So we're not going to go too deep with Alec and I here, but we are going to touch on a few little topics, some fun stuff, you know, here and there. Talk about this guy, that guy. I like fun things. Yeah. And then, of course, um, we're going to talk about God. Is that a good tease? Uh, no. <laughs> no. I think we just lost a couple of listeners. We can't afford to lose listeners. <laughs> that was a really scary tease. All right. So there, what if politics. I, how about this? No, no, not politics. Let me break it down like this. <laughs> what if I told you? ESPN 30 for 30 style. What if I told you there was a guy who played in Korea for the last three years who earned the nickname God, and he's now the Milwaukee Brewers first baseman? Don't get too excited about the notion of the Milwaukee Brewers talk, guys. Yeah. Maybe I shouldn't have said what team he was on. I'm still working on my teasing. I'm still working on my teasing. But true story. We'll fix it in post. There's a guy nicknamed God from Korea. Well, he's not from Korea. He's from America. 
who played in Korea, and he's now the Brewers' first baseman. So we'll, <laughs> we'll get into that as well. But let's get back to the Final Four to start because it's now set in stone. We got UNC, we got Oregon, and then on the other side we got Gonzaga and South Carolina. So last week when I didn't have Alec on the pod for Monday morning, I went solo. I took it on face first. And depending on how you look at it, some would say I may have taken a fall face first because I said, bold statement, Cinderella's are a myth. Cinderella stories do not happen nearly as often as everybody says, and people don't like the underdog as much as they say. But South Carolina, though they don't play like an underdog, by, by seven seed and by the fact that they have never been in a Final Four in the history of their school, makes them a Cinderella. And boy, are they fun to watch. So I'm happy that they're in. I said when they lost, when they beat Duke, you'd be crazy if you told me you'd rather watch South Carolina than Duke in the Final Four and the championship. But I'm sitting here today, and I'm not retracting my Hand statement up, fully. Hand up. I'm not retracting my statement fully because I still think the whole Cinderella thing gets overblown. But South Carolina is a great story with great talent, and their coach, Frank Miller, is leading those boys to the promised land as they're going to play in their first ever Final Four next weekend. You want to just acknowledge also while we're on this topic of, you know, handing up, um, how you were just wrong on pretty much every one of your predictions for the for the tournament? Well, yeah. I mean, Mich- Michigan lost in the first round. And you thought Kansas, I mean, Kansas is going to the championship, which is another thing you thought, um, you know. and So I was wrong. <laughs> I was wrong on some things. But when it comes down to it, and this is what I did say last week, I said that the Final Four statistically – almost always ends up with ones, twos, and threes. And three of our four Final Four members are ones or a three. Remember when remember when UConn won? They were all, they were one seed, right? Yes. And if you listened to last <laughs> week, which I know you did not. I didn't. I was sick. Exactly. I was under the weather. I, I made the statement that UConn is not a true Cinderella because they're UConn. They are a basketball school that's ingrained in the history of the sport. Well, they've been really good for the past couple of years, right, Pete? I said in the history of the sport. Not so last what, year. So what? Kentucky was trash until they got Calipari, and now they're they're like a basketball dynasty, a college basketball dynasty. So what about what, what about history. Syracuse last year? Do you consider them a Cinderella last year because they made the Final Four? Well, that was a whole weird thing. They had a playing game and everything. Of course, they were they were a Cinderella story. But but they were they're a school. They were that you they were know. playing and they played an extra game when they, when from they, everyone else. That doesn't matter. They, of course it matters. No, it doesn't. That's not a Cinderella story. If you're a playing team, that's not a Cinderella story. It's 11 seed. You know, for the last three seasons, there has been one 11 seed who won the playing game to win the first round. It happens every year. I don't see what your point is. Why where, you, where are they why getting? Do you, why do you want to root for the boring teams? Continue to root for LeBron James. and I'm not rooting for them. I'm just saying, if it ended up being Duke versus UNC next weekend, next Tuesday. Are you, are you Tuesday, on the payroll or something? <laughs> no, like, well, that would be a more exciting game. I don't care. Like... Why? Why Duke would you play defense? They're not exciting. They're why, not fun. Why would you rather watch a team like South Carolina, or let's just say not a team? Because a you'll, school. Ne- you'll never see these players again. They're not going into the NBA. These this is the last time they're going to play meaningful basketball, probably in their lives. So what? Well, all right, let's go back. Magic Johnson and Larry Bird faced off in the championship when they were in college, correct? Okay. If say like some scrub Cinderella school ended up knocking off. You know, powerhouse Magic Johnson at Michigan State and goes to the finals. It's not as exciting because I saw them do it for like 20 years later, going head to head. Yeah, but you didn't didn't know that. All right, so if you watch the UNC versus, uh, not UNC, if you watch the UCLA versus Kentucky game earlier on last weekend, that game was electric. 
and the crowd was so live. And one of my favorite things about the NCAA tournament but is wait, that... I'm sorry to cut you off. What? How, there's a real chance right now, and we're going to get into it with the Knicks, how, there's a real chance we might get Lonzo Ball now. And if we get Lonzo it's Ball... It's a slim chance still. Can you... How excited are you for LeVar, LeVar, LeVar Ball in the New York media? He's going to take over for Francesca. Oh my God, I can't wait. <laughs> We'll get into it. Uh, yeah. We'll get into it later. Stay, let's stay till the end. Good tease. And follow on like Google Play and stuff. <laughs> this is a Sports Blog New York podcast. <laughs> Search it. Google Play, iTunes, the whole nine. Subscribe. Subscribe. Eh? Subscribe. Subscribe. Rate. Review. <laughs> LeVar Ball is going to take over for Francesa. You heard it here first. <laughs> uh, but no, the one thing I really do love about the NCAA tournament, regard, regardless of teams and all that, the crowd is able to root for every good play, for every basket, for every block. Because, you know, it's a mixture of people who are rooting for a specific team. And rooting against the team. Rooting yeah. against the other team. People who don't care and are just looking for a good it's game. It's great. And it was so electric. Even just watching the game on TV, UCLA versus Kentucky. So you had Malik Monk, you had Darren Fox and Lonzo Ball, and Bam Adebayo, who's another first-round pick, going head-to-head. And I'm watching that game, I'm thinking to myself, this is the future of the NBA, possibly, in this game, facing off in the Elite Eight. Now, granted, that's how their bracket unfolded, but... Say that Kentucky was on the other side. They were in Duke's bracket. And Kentucky made it to the finals. UCLA made it to the finals. Like, that matchup right there. Lonzo Ball, Malik Monk, De'Aaron Fox, the future of the NBA. How about this? How about this? Facing off in a final? You know how everyone gets sick of the Warriors and everyone's eventually going to get sick of the Cubs and, and all these dynasties that happen? That's kind of what the masses think about these schools. Like, I'm sick. Not that I'm sick of it. Like I, I, I can appreciate a Kentucky game, but like they, they, they do really well. Like I'd like to see a team that's never gone that far before. It means a lot more to them, at least like to the, to the people, to the school, and it's not just about the players. It's about the people, you know, the people that it like affects outside of the players itself. It's really cool. And stop rooting against underdogs. You're so lame. You're so damn lame. I'm not saying I'm rooting against underdogs. And you who clearly thought, are. Who would have thought that you, you of all, are the man of the people? Yeah, no big deal. You are, you're the no man of the deal. people. No big deal. I'm not rooting against underdogs. Hot in take fact, beat, tepid take Alec. <laughs> <laughs> in fact, I actually really, really enjoy watching South Carolina play. Sandarius Thornwell is a senior SEC player of the year. He hasn't been on draft boards, but he is literally playing himself into the NBA right now. If you ask me. Like, he could be the next Ron Baker or something like that on a team. <laughs> no big deal. We got the coolest guy in the NBA. <laughs> Wait, I saw on Instagram. It was uh, posted by MSG Networks because it had their tag on it. So it was Knicks versus Spurs earlier in the weekend. So in the the little cut of the page, on one side was Kawhi Leonard, and on the Knicks side, <laughs> I'm not kidding. On the Knicks side was Ron Baker. Stars collide. Ron Kawhi Baker shot Leonard. maker. Ron Baker shot maker. Unbelievable. Um, so I'll just clear this up for you, for you and for everybody listening. I don't hate the underdog. In fact, I hope South Carolina wins. Who hurt I've, you? Been, I've enjoyed watching them play this. Who hurt you, Pete? Why I don't are you hate, this way? <laughs> I don't hate the underdog. I, I'm rooting for South Carolina this week. I think people have a false, false conception about what they really want to see. They can love the Cinderella all they want. Hey, guys, did you hear that? You're wrong for rooting the way you want to root. <laughs> Hot take, Petey. That's, just, I have, that's how I feel because I bet the numbers would be better Otherwise, I can't wait till you get a job at like Fox Sports One and move to LA and then you know dye your hair jet black with shoe polish. You're just that kind of guy. <laughs> you know what? Neither can I. I can't wait to move to You're LA the worst and person. have a great, the worst great person. job in a great city. Oh my god, get over yourself. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Do you think South Carolina is going to win? I hope they do. 
Do that. No, I've had UNC winning the entire way through. By the way, my predictions are accurate because I had UNC winning the entire way through. So you could probably listen to me. Uh, I mean, it's your fault that you listen to me. Yeah, remember when you told me to, like not to take uh, Michigan because they're getting knocked out first round? Or you told me to take Arizona in the my final four and they got knocked out and things like that. They made it to the Elite Eight. It's not like they were far off. You know, it's not an exact science, man. Come on, it's hard. Oh, so we're just acknowledging that all bracketologists are just getting paid for nonsense work. It's like <laughs> it's like astrologists. They should say I don't, I don't know if you know this. When you go to like a psychic or something like that, legally they have to tell you, even if they truly believe that they're psychics, they have to tell you that it's all done for entertainment purposes legally, so you don't take too much like stock in what they're saying. Why don't bracketologists say that? It, they're just they're just preaching nonsense, and then they get paid like hundreds of thousands, probably millions for some of them. To just spew bullshit. <laughs> when, when does Vegas get into the mix? Because they actually like have a feel for when things. Is, when is Vegas going to like do this election Sunday? Because when Vegas does That's what I'm saying. When yeah. does Vegas start making yeah. the bracket? Like, that has to happen soon. They, there's no reason a 12 seed should be favored to be how, a 5 seed. How messed up is it? This is like, you're legally allowed to just gamble on like 18-year-olds. Like, <laughs> it's so messed up. Only if you're in Vegas or Atlantic City or something like that, though, right? Or if you have a bookie. <laughs> or if you have an illegal bookie, like 75% of the world. Or if you have a PayPal account or a Venmo account. <laughs> well, life's too short to root for the under, guys. <laughs> but it's not too short to root for the underdog. Goddamn right, Pete. <laughs> All right. Maybe you got me flopping a little bit. Maybe I'm flopping for you, man. You probably root for that. <laughs> yeah. It's a shot. That's a LeBron shot at Pete. At me or at LeBron. Both. I, I feel like you're synonymous at this point. Everyone knows it. <laughs> Nobody knows it. But That's everybody knows that this is a Sports Blog New York podcast, and we have to move on from the Final Four because we got some other great stuff to get into. But again, we got UNC versus Oregon. Fun fact, Oregon's last time in the, in the NCAA tournament was 1939. Oregon, also kind of famous for you know building the Nike brand. The Nike brand was founded in 1964. So last time Oregon was in the Final Four... Nike was 25 years away from existence. Last year, Oregon was in the Final Four. Um, you know, Poland was getting invaded. <laughs> Is that accurate? No, 1939, wasn't that like, wasn't that when Hitler invaded, uh, we shouldn't do this? Yeah, that's not. That's <laughs> a different topic for a different day. Uh, but this is Sports Blog New York Podcast. I'm Peter Kennedy here joined with Alec Argento. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes if you like what you've been hearing. And if you don't, just shut off now because... Just shut it off. Guys, I have to like be on my best behavior on this. Like, all I want to do is make it appropriate references to things, so <laughs> I'm going to stop myself now. So you can follow Alec on his personal Twitter <laughs> if you could find it. His name's Alec Argento, so search that if you want. But I'm not telling you his actual Twitter. So if you want to get into some other stuff with, it's good with the man. It's, it's, a, good it's a follow. <laughs> but let's move on to the Certainly NBA. Yes. <laughs> let's move on to the NBA. I want to get into Isaiah Thomas. So I actually caught the end of the Celtics Heat game Sunday evening. And I noticed that from about three-ish minutes, maybe four minutes, eh, maybe a little less than that, two, two, two and a half minutes, they started swapping Isaiah Thomas in and out for offense-defense. Because he doesn't play any defense. Okay. So that poses the question. How far can a team get when your best player has to get swapped in and out for defensive replacement? Well, it's all about coaching with, with the Celtics. I think the Celtics are one of the least talented two seeds probably might end up a one seed like in NBA history they're a good team they're very solid they don't have superstars on that team I don't think Isaiah Thomas is a superstar and when you can't when you when you're as bad at defense as he is he's worse than like Melo ever was he's horrible wow he's really bad and you said I'm about hot takes you if you watch those games he 
And it's understandable. He he's like four foot nothing. Like he can't like he can't reach like the top shelf of the cookie jar. <laughs> he can't. He, he has to, like when he goes to the grocery store, he has to get the kicks instead of the lucky charms because he can't reach it. <laughs> now that is an analogy you won't hear anywhere else. Only one of the game guys. <laughs> but yeah, so I, I I start thinking about how far can they go. So say, imagine them in the playoffs, right? Isaiah Thomas is having a great game, and it's coming down to the wire against any team. Let's say it's, say it's the first round against the Pacers, who they might match up against. There's a minute and a half left. Isaiah Thomas scores a bucket. Someone calls a timeout. They take him out for defensive purposes. Then there's not a whistle for the next 30 seconds or 40, 40 seconds. Boston either has to burn a timeout to get their best offensive player back on the court, or they have to play without their best offensive player, who's an assassin on the offensive end in the fourth quarter. Like how this this can really hurt them. Well, and it it just makes me wonder how far can they really get because people are starting to talk about them as a true, you know, it's contender. Def- it's definitely interesting because I think there's a legitimate shot Brad Stevens leaves after this year to go coach in Indiana. Uh, no, he has a lot of rumors that Tom Crean just got fired. Um, he's not leaving the NBA in Boston yet. It's always it's always been, you know how like uh, like Coach Cower has always been rumored for the Giants and like it just never happens. Yeah, there's like that kind of thing with with Brad Stevens and in, in Indiana. He's an Indiana guy. You know? So you just said that he's not going back. I no, I, I think that there's a chance. I always, I still I'm still hope, holding out that Cower's going to be, be the Giants coach. I love Big Ben, but not the real Big Ben, Ben McAdoo. Benny um, with the good hair. <laughs> Benny with the good hair. Um, but I I wish I had Cower. Cower's an amazing coach. Neither here nor there, but I, I think that you'll you'll really find out if he leaves. I, I think that'd be really. I mean, I don't think he's gonna leave either. But way. you know that well, re- that raises another question though, because I, me and you have been talking a lot about like big boards and mock drafts and everything like that, and everyone assumes that like Markel Fultz is gonna go uh, to to the Celtics with the number one pick, and I always say that I I think I could see a shakeup in them taking like Josh Jackson or uh, Justin Jackson. Josh Jackson. Josh. Okay, there I got the right one. Um, both they, very good, but Josh Jackson's the guy you're they, talking about. They have no front court. They have no front court whatsoever on that team, and they don't need guards. They have they have plenty of good guards on that team. They need front court help, and there's no like top centers or power forwards in, the, in where they're going to pick. So I could see them making a shakeup and taking taking Jackson, um, and then leaving the point guards to go down a little bit. Um, but also to your point, you're not the biggest fan of Isaiah Thomas, mm-hmm. right? So who's to say? I, mean, I like him well enough. I just think I don't think he's a, as a complete player. Yeah, exactly. Right? Is that fair to say? Yeah. So who's to say Boston doesn't feel the same way you do? Isaiah Thomas isn't a complete player. Clearly, Brad Stevens sees I need to take this guy out in certain possessions because he can't stop anybody. Fair. So maybe Brad Stevens sees what you're seeing and says Markel Fultz is six foot four, jacked, can like can play in all aspects of the game. Projects as a strong defender, defense, defender, defender, defenseman, shooter, and driver. Who's to say they don't reset at the point guard position, take Markel Fultz, let Isaiah Thomas be that guy until Fultz really develops, see later IT, bring in Fultz or Lonzo Ball. Then again, they do have Jalen Brown waiting to be developed. I mean, not that he's not getting developed now, right. but you know. I just I, I think that everyone is assuming that right away that Markel Fultz is going to that team. I think that it's a lot more up in the air than people are making it out to be. I mean, especially with the way the tournament has gone. Lonzo's gotten more and more hype. And I, I want to throw this out there, and I'll use this as a segue to end the IT debate of how far a team can go when their best player has to get taken out on defense. I saw, I heard someone on the radio, I forget who it was, and it's probably better off. He said, oh, you didn't hear anybody talking about Lonzo Ball until LeVar Ball came into the picture? Wrong. And I just said, I almost drove off the road. It's like, no, you just weren't listening, that means, because he has been the number two prospect in the in the draft Stop since the first freaking day of the year. Stop live subtweeting this guy. Just just at this guy. I forget, his, I forget <laughs> who it was, honestly. 
I forget who it was. <coughs> but if you think Alonzo wasn't like a top pick until LeVar started talking about him, just get the, get out of here. Go on get. <laughs> go on get. Go kick rocks. Yeah. Let's get into the let's go to the Boston Celtics fake rival because they're so horrible. The Knicks have been losing extraordinary late. Let's go. Let's go. Get Plus, hyped. Twice to the Nets. Let's get hyped. You know, we play like a team like the Spurs or the Jazz, and we pretend like we can actually play with them for like a quarter or two. Usually in the second half, we start playing well. But they're not trying to win. Willie Hernan Gomez and, you know, Kuz and KP, they're trying to get better. That's cool. I'm cool with that. Oh, Melo keeps getting arrested. Rose keeps getting arrested. I'm fine with that. But they keep on losing, baby. Rose is really... This is really hurting his stock, by the way. Rose keep, keep not playing at the end of the year. He can't. All he wants to do is up his stats so that the team's going to give him a max deal, which somebody somebody will give him a max deal, I think, just because that's the way the NBA goes. Um, but he's not worth it, obviously, uh, and that's really hurting his stock. But um, I'm hyped about this tank, man. Yeah, I, it's going swimmingly. If if we can finally get, I mean, I know I I listened to your podcast about the Knicks point guards and it was miserable. Uh, but, oh, but, about the yeah, yeah the, top, the last ten point. If guards. we can finally get. And I know we've been saying this for like 20 years now. Uh, if we can finally get a franchise point guard, and it looks very likely that we will, because, uh, I mean, well, at least De'Aaron Fox or, or Dennis Smith should, uh, should fall to where we're, we're going to be. And either of those guys, in my opinion, are, are franchise point guards. I tend to agree. And if you watch that UCLA-Kentucky game, which I talked about earlier, De'Aaron Fox took over the game for Kentucky. He ended with 39 points which is ridiculous in a college game. Granted, about eight of those points were free throws at the end when the game kind of got out of reach. So, you said 39, right? Yeah, yeah 39. I saw that number and I was like, wow. It's absurd. Yeah. He is in control. I'm telling you there's something about that lefty swag like where defenders just forget about it. I always get nervous about Nat- point guards and the lefty, uh, lefty point guards. I don't know. That, that natural defender, the natural reaction for the defender is to guard the right because mm-hmm. they're so used to it. No matter how much you study or how much you know who you're playing against, Something about it, and the way he controls the game, and honestly, the way he took this L against UNC on Sunday, he he was he was a little beat up. You could tell he was actually crying after the game with uh, Bam Adebayo, saying these are my brothers. Like we put it out, little baby. And I'm I'm sure you're gonna see on Instagram, (laughs) you're probably gonna see on Instagram like crying Jordan of of De'Aaron Fox after. Oh, by the way, but like I'm such a uh, uh, Villanova hater. I've always been a Villanova hater. Yeah. because people forgot that you know Villanova's always sucked, uh, but you know they had that one championship. So then everyone just oh okay Villanova's good again. They're not, uh, and they always lose in the tournament. And I was so happy. All my cousins go to Villanova, and they probably listening. Um, and I, I was so happy to just bring back the crying flute girl gif, which is my all time favorite gif of all time. And if you're not familiar, do yourself a favor. I watched it live. I'm sure most of our listeners did. When they lost two years ago, was it two years ago when they lost? Yeah. In the, and that, that, that band, the, the flautist in the band, is just crying while she's playing the flute. <laughs> I lose it every time. And I get to use that all over again and revisit that. And I was so, I was so freaking happy. The one who plays the flute, a flautist? Flautist. Did you just make that up? Or is no, that real? Flautist. I believe you. I heard you play the flute. The, the, I'm a flautist? Yeah. <laughs> all right. Uh, well, Certain type of flute. Let's just say, I'll break it down for you before we move on <clears throat> and get into some MLB stuff. Right now, the Knicks are currently tied... For the third worst record, so Alec was correct. He said it to me earlier. I was, the, by the way, in case you're in case you're wondering, legitimately the way that they break that tiebreaker is a coin flip. 
and I mean, I, I think the whole lottery is a farce. It's all decided right beforehand. I'm not a conspiracy theory guy, but that whole thing, that has to be decided beforehand. And you don't see the lottery balls in our last The lottery is pretty, pretty sketchy. It's pretty weird. Oh, without a doubt. So we'll go, we'll go Nick, with that. Knicks will get screwed. They will get like the eighth pick somehow. <laughs> That's um very, very, I don't know. It's possible. So right now they're tied for third with the Magic and the Sixers. Only teams that are definitely going to be ahead of them are the Lakers, the Net, oh, the Celtics, and the Phoenix Suns. So right now we're falling three, four, or five, which that makes us the lowest we can get if we're five is eight, and it's like a point five percent chance. So the Knicks are looking to be top seven guaranteed, maybe three to five. There's a point guard for us. That's all I care about. Exactly, there's, and there's that's a- what I was going to say. You have Markel Fultz, Lonzo Ball, De'Aaron Fox, Dennis Smith. Frank Who's about going to be like 10-ish. So, you think you know. he's going down that much in, in stock? Because he was projected like six, like like two weeks ago. There's a lot of time. A lot can happen. I mean, he's, he's coming from France. I mean, he averaged like 14 points a game over there. Those When, they come, when they're young and they come from Europe, they don't get a lot of playing time, just in general. Um... So I, I never really understand how they scout that. You know, you, you see them in college, they play their minutes, so you know exactly what you're getting with them, and that's less minutes than they're going to play in the NBA. Right, and the moral of the story is there should be a point guard out there for the Knicks to take with their first-round draft pick. But guess what? He's going to be a bust. Whoever <laughs> we pick, I don't care if it's if it's Lonzo Ball, Markel Fultz, it's going to be a bust. I hope not. Yeah, well, you know better. <laughs> yeah, you know what? You're right. But I think I think everybody deserves a good Knicks point guard. Including, like, the Lakers. I don't even know. Like, the Lakers deserve the Knicks to have a good point Here, guard. Here's a question for you. doesn't even make sense. Here's but. a question for you. So, we obviously went to tank mode this year because we had a pick. We went to tank mode when we had the pick for Porzingis. We're not, even with the point guard, we're not going to be a championship contender. Do you think they go for the tank again next year? It depends. If they have a real, real legitimate chance, and I'm not talking about this year type of chance. I'm talking. No, no, no free agents. I'm talking, like, seat. close to the all-star break and we're still in the playoff hunt. Like legit in the playoff hunt, like, then we don't tank. Whoa, what do you what do you say playoff hunt? Do you mean fighting for an eight seed? No, for I'm an saying I'm saying fighting for like a five or six. Okay, maybe seven. Fair enough. And honestly, the way the Knicks are will do it probably if they're legit fighting for an eight seed, they'll probably still go for it. The only way they tank again next year is if they're ten or lower by I, the All Star. I'm break. proud of the Knicks to tank. Yeah, they're this doing. Is so, this is so not Dolan. This is so not Dolan to tank two years. Two out of the three years accidentally tanked last year. It didn't really, didn't really help us at all. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're doing it right right now. So we'll see how the tank process goes. But let's get into the MLB. And again, this is Sports Blog New York podcast. And this week, we're going to have MLB.com writer Joe Trezza. He covers mostly the Mets, but some Yankees and a lot of World Baseball, Clough, World Baseball Classic stuff as well. So we're going to have Joe Trezza from MLB.com on later in the week. So stay tuned for that. But for now, I'm here with Alec Argento. But don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and on Google Play. Subscribe, rate, review. And if you want to be difficult, you can listen to us on SoundCloud still. SoundCloud is out there. You know, if you go to sportsblognewyork.com, you got the SoundCloud players embedded in the article. Do you think there's podcast hipsters out there that listen to it on SoundCloud exclusively because they like the way that, you know, it sounds a little bit better. It's more grainy and you can roar real like a vinyl. I, uh, <laughs> I can tell you exactly how many people do if you want. I, we, get, we get privy to stats. So how many thousand? 100,000? 300,000? Everything is, uh, yeah, it's all, uh, it's in millions. So, okay. you know, yeah. it's hard to tell. It's but. like Nielsen views. Like it's just representative of the whole nation, right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> people who understand Nielsen views might laugh at that. People, other people are like, what the, f- what the fuck's Honestly, Nielsen? I don't think it was that funny even if they understand Nielsen views. <laughs> I don't think they're going to laugh at it's it. It's more sad, if anything. True, true, true. All right, so let's get into baseball. 
because we got off the rails for thirty. By the minutes, way, so. I just I just got off of a um, a two day like twenty hour baseball draft, so I'm I'm very knowledgeable but very tired of baseball. So excuse my um, my jadedness and uh, of the whole subject. Sick brag, by the way. Not, not a sick brag. I was miserable. I hated doing it. <laughs> I can't say no to people, Pete. Just to break this down for you, Alec had a 48-hour fantasy draft. Like that's that's two days. Hey, Pete, do you know who I'm in this draft with? Yeah. You want to know how weird I am? Yes. My old college professors. Because <laughs> I can't say no to people. It's an issue. Alec has been trying to get out of this league. Hopefully they don't listen. Do they yeah, listen to this? They don't listen. I'm not friends with them on Facebook for a reason. Um, <laughs> but I also just found out I had to pay $250 for this league dues. Didn't know that. Two, this is my third year in it, and I just found out I had to pay for retroactively for two years ago. Oh my god, that's miserable. miserable. And uh, that's all the time I have to feel bad for you. So let's get into the World Baseball Classic. Actually, I can feel bad for you again. So even though you were right, you hit this one spot on, like nail on the head. I was right I'm and le- wrong. No, I was right and wrong. About D.D. Gregorius. Because I, I said, well, no, I guess I did say only position players get hurt. You said the only player to get hurt in the World Baseball Classic in the recent history, which is the well, only history, only history. <laughs> the only history of the World Baseball Classic, uh, is Mark Teixeira, a position player, which was the exact opposite of how I said, I don't want my pitchers at the World Baseball Classic. But you, as a Yankees fan, and had... Only, I'm pretty sure he only played DH, too, Gregorius. Yeah, so which is weird. but your shortstop got hurt. Sure did, for at least a month. I want you to break down what's that going to mean for the Yankees. Uh, and then after you actually do that after, but okay. talk about the World Baseball Classic as a whole and kind of what you thought of it and moving forward. Well, I mean, uh, well, I, I've said it a million times. I think it's great for the sport. I think it's like fantastic for the sport, and as evidenced by the viewership, I, th- I think they hit like two point two million, yes. on, which is obviously the highest on the MLB Network because nobody knows where the MLB Network is. It was the second highest rated program in MLB Network history, behind only a NLDS game, Game Seven. And by the way, on a side note. Watching America play Japan, I love the way Japan plays baseball. And, like, everyone always said that they're, like, you know, quadruple A in Japan. No, those those guys can ball out. Like, they are legitimate professional baseball players over there in Japan. Um, I don't count Puerto Rico because Puerto Rico is just mini-U.S. I mean, they're part of the United States. Which, by the way, everyone always says, how could you say that we're the championship uh, champions of the world uh, with the World Series? We are. We were literally the champions and the runner-ups to the championship. So, n- no big deal. But um, it was great. Uh, that that game against Puerto Rico was electric. Stroman was electric. I know we don't really associate him with America. By the way, we are not defeated in the world. Uh, America is not de- undefeated in the World Series. We've lost twice to Canada. Ah, yeah. look at that. <laughs> so, we're, yeah. <laughs> um, Never thought about it like that, you know? Yeah, no, but uh, it was electric. And, and, and these aren't even our best players, but it was really highlighting some of the players that, I mean... I, I'm aware of them, but I, I would say most people aren't. Like Christian Yelich, for example, on the Marlins, the outfielder on the Marlins, are like, I would say most people aren't aware of the real baseball. Like Brandon Crawford, for example. Right. Um, the fans of their teams know them very well and yeah. they love them. But, you know, as say a, like a Giants fan doesn't know much about Christian Yelich, and a Marlins fan probably knows nothing about Brandon Crawford. Right. So it's nice that if you actually do watch the game, and I'll, I'll say judging from my Twitter feed, which is probably a little biased because, like, obviously I follow people who appreciate sports. And talk about it. No big deal. People who, <laughs> well, yeah, but people who were tweeting about it a lot. Like, there was a lot of vibe, a lot of uh, a lot of talk on the World Baseball Classic. America just wants to root for America. And every country wants to root for their team. You, they need an excuse for this. And everyone's hating on the World Baseball Classic. Give it a, give it a couple decades. I mean, the, the, you know, the, that's how it works. It's, it's a new thing. It's, this is the third time we did it. It's, it is, yes. Yeah, and I'm going to pull up a tweet that 
is from our Twitter, at SportBlogNYC. It was kind of a funny one. So we sent out a tweet saying, uh, when America has the best baseball team in the world and some of their best players didn't even play with a gif of Kenny Powers flipping off people, which is a great little thing. How much did you have to pay HBO for that? Oh, uh, uh, oh, you stole it. Okay, cool. A hundred, a hundred, a hundred. <laughs> so then somebody responded to our tweet and, oh, the tweet is actually now unavailable, which means they got embarrassed. They oh, said, Rex. they said something along the lines of the best question mark. How can you say that when you didn't even win? And we responded, are you watching the same game as we're watching? <laughs> and a lot of people were pretty, pretty hyped about that. But like, it was a woman who was really from Puerto Rico. It was a woman. And again, I, by the way, that, that Puerto Rico team was stacked. That, oh that God, team yeah. was, those are all MLB players. Studs. They're a very good team. And, and like, young, I'm not trying to hate on them. I'm not, just trying to say. And they, they, by the way, they, they had young and old superstars on that team. I mean, you had Carlos Beltran on the team as an older guy. You had Carlos Correa, Francisco Lindor. Uh, I think Javi Baez was on that team. Yeah. And you can see what it means to them when you see Yadier Molina at the end of the game. He was legitimately well, like, he broken up. He hates Molina. He doesn't think he's all a famer. That is 100% <laughs> incorrect. But, besides <laughs> the point. So, the World Baseball Classic was really good. Uh, so one thing I thought you were going to mention that I don't know if you did, but you brought up the numbers, how he got $2.2 million, which is a huge number for them. What that means to me is that next World Baseball Classic, there's a strong chance there'll well, be a, a little bidding war. Also, timeout real quick from the be- before... The World Series also broke records. So baseball's back. Baseball is back in the hearts of America, and I love it. It is good. I'm not going to lie. I'm most excited for this season as I have been maybe in five, ten years. You, you know what? I think the best thing about baseball, and I, I'm, I, I just want it to grow again. I just want – because I, I love baseball. I know it's kind of dying. Well, it was dying. But the coolest thing about baseball right now, and, and we'll talk about this later, is how you can't predict anything in baseball. It's just ridiculous to try to predict things. All of the teams that have been going to the World Series and like getting far in the playoffs are teams that weren't good for like decades. You had the Royals, who, who weren't good even when they won. They're not good now. The but the Royals, the Mets, uh, the, uh, the 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 Cubs, obviously the Indians. It's so cool to watch. I mean, it's not it's not the Yankees every year. And I, as a Yankee fan, it's like I can watch and appreciate the fact that the team, the two teams who have the biggest droughts in championships. Uh, the Cubs and the uh, and, and the Indians just going at it, and it's so cool. That was a spectacular World Series for many reasons. Best baseball game I ever watched that came seven. Hopefully it brings back some hype for the season. I mean, the beginning of the season always gets a lot of hype, but hopefully it carries through, you know. Uh, but I wanted to mention real quick before we move on from World Baseball Classic, this should start a bidding war for next year yeah. for the ESPNs or the Fox Sports ones of the world. Maybe, just Don't maybe. Don't Fox Sports one. <laughs> well, I'm just saying people no, who no, are no, going to no. pay for it. Uh, but maybe... ABC or maybe you know Fox or NBC will actually. It'll pro- I think it'll probably be ABC because ESPN has the baseball on its own right. company, Disney. But I'm just saying they're one step closer to getting on a better channel, and they're two steps cl- away now from possibly getting on a broadcast network. So really big year for the World Baseball Classic. So in a couple of years, hopefully we get on a, a good channel. And just real quick, you know how I heard somebody saying I forget where I heard it, but you, you know how I was saying to try to find the right time to put the World Baseball Classic at. Put yes. it, put it in all, the All Star break. Nobody cares about the All Star game anymore. It literally means nothing. It is the All Star. It's a better All Star game. The World Baseball Classic is a better All Star game. You're having all the All Star. And then the the reason people worry about injuries, and there was a study done, is that injuries happen in the beginning because you're not in mid season form. Obviously, you get them. You get them in uh, at the All Star break. Everyone's gonna want to go. 
you know, you're going to have the Mike Trouts of the world go want to play in this in, in this uh, in these games. If they make an extended All Star break, so kind of like the hockey uh, does, hockey it, does it? it exactly. Yeah. There's always a way to do it. Team USA in basketball, they dominate every time. People still watch it. People love to watch it because they're ready. They're, they they just came off the uh, uh, or they're about to go into the season. Everything they came off the season. It's it, they're in midseason form already. They it's awesome. Right? That was a pretty good idea. You know, maybe we'll call Rob Manfred, Robbie Boy. I think he's we'll, a great. We'll I think he's. Him. I think he's a fantastic commissioner. By the way, I think in general he is a positive for a fan. He's right? he's doing a lot, and, he, and people give him crap uh, for you know all these like things he's trying out in the minors. He's just trying them out. Yeah, just trying them out. I think that I think the the thing that they're doing, and it'll never reach the majors, but that thing with, with leaving a guy on second uh, to start the inning. That would be the most high-pressure situation of all. I think it would be so much fun. And I don't have to watch an 18-inning Yankees-Red Sox game, which is what it always ends up being. But, you know, that happens so infrequently. I don't know. I'm not, not a Yankee fan. Every time the Yankees play the Red Sox, it's at least a four-hour game. Every time. Well, we'll see. Well, that's something that's interesting. And that's a topic for a different day. I want to get into some things regarding the Mets and the Yankees. Sure. So, Sports Illustrated just put out their uh, MLB preview magazine. And in that magazine, they go through the lineup of every, every team. And they rate players, you know, they pick one team MVP, they pick people who are defensive stars, injury risk, bargain price, also rising and declining. So let's talk about the Yankees first. Sure. Who do you think is the Yankees' most important player? The guy who's been killing it in spring training. Guy I said from day one, Greg Bird. He has more extra base hits than he has singles this year, uh, th- this spring. He's, uh, he's batting like 480 or something crazy like that. He's just hitting dongs. He's Monster dongs. Oh my god, he's, <laughs> he's awesome. He has such... I was reading another article. Everyone talks about bat speed. What he has is uh, barrel to the bat accuracy. You get the barrel on the ball, you're gonna you're gonna hit hit runs in. I mean that's that's what's more important than bat speed. Um, and he clearly has pop. <laughs> yeah, without a doubt. And he wasn't like a big prospect. I mean, he was something. I know I heard Brian Cashman say something along the lines that he was like our best prospect while Gary Sanchez was in our organization. I don't remember that ever being a thing. He's he kind of came out of nowhere, part burst on the scene and everything like that. Um, came, mashed some home runs when he was there. Didn't bat at a high average. But he's a first baseman. You're not going to get a high average out of your first baseman more than likely. He's he's the key. I mean, Gary Sanchez is probably the the, the pretty pick. You know, that's what everyone wants to say. But he's a catcher. He's not going to play every day. Catchers get hurt. Catchers get hurt more than any other position, and there's a lot of wear and tear on them. But the by the end of the season, on a full season, Carrie Sanchez, I think, is going to be a little drained, and understandably so, just like any catcher. Well, hopefully they could you know, supplement his catching with some DH appearances, and that could really help. So, but I just want to clear this up. You think Greg Bird, by the end of the year, can be the Yankees' MVP? I think Greg Bird's an all-star this year. I, I, I do. I, wow. I, I, think he, I think he has the uh, composure at the plate, and that's the coolest thing I think about this Yankees team, is they're all trying to prove something. And none of them are phased by anything. Even like someone like Aaron Judge, for example, he strikes out a ton. I know I'm really big on him, especially because I was watching John Carlos Stanton, and he's like my dream of what I want Aaron Judge to be. But he strikes out a ton, and he doesn't care. He's just going to continue working on things, and he'll figure out what works, and he'll get it done. That's He's got a great approach. That's why it takes him a little bit of time to get through each level of the minors, but it works eventually, and he hits at a great clip. So what Sports Illustrated thought, or who Sports Illustrated thought was the Yankees MVP or you know, possible most important player was actually Masahiro Tanaka. So he's gonna have a year. He, I mean, is he given up? I don't think he's given up a run all spring this uh, so far. He's been lights out all spring. The man has proved that he is a 
phenomenal pitcher. Quick shout thing, out to the Yankees by throwing a, uh, a no hitter in spring training the other day. Combined no hitter that Tanaka started. True. That that that's that's cool. I guess if you care about spring training. But right, man. <laughs> Tanaka, if he can stay healthy, and that's a big if of across the MLB from top to bottom. If they can stay healthy, if they can stay healthy, Masahiro Tanaka has proved he's a phenomenal pitcher. He's in a contract year. He's in a contract year. He doesn't want this to be his last big contract. So he should be out firing. He should be coming out, making sure he's not hurt, making sure he's healthy as possible. He can be in the Cy Young contention if he has a really good year. And by the way, uh, I don't. I feel like nobody really talks about that. He was in the Cy Young contention last year. He had an amazing season last year. It looks even better. He gets better and better each year. He um, he has the opt out in his in his contract this year. No way he doesn't opt out. And he should, and for a business position, it'd be malpractice. I actually, I want more opt outs in in contracts. I think it's great if, it, it, like, Cespedes had it in his uh in his yeah. contract, and he had a great year. You earn it, and you get you get paid more and more. And he it, got paid. Incentiv- you get incentivized. I think it, it benefits the team more so than it, than it doesn't. To and be honest with you, that was a great segue by you. Oh sure. So let's go on to the Mets. So Sports Illustrated obviously did this for the Mets as well. Who do you think is the most important player or the person who can be the team MVP for the Mets? Well, it's it's hard for me with the Mets because you know what you're going to get out of a, a, most of their best players, right? You know Suspettis is going to be Suspettis. You know um, uh, Degrom and Syndergaard are going, to, and I think Degrom is going to have an amazing year. It looks like he got his fastball back that he didn't really have last year. But when they're a constant, you're looking for the variable, I guess, that can really be the X factor in the team. If you're if you're looking for the the biggest like variance in, in X factor. I think it's Jay Bruce, actually, because they need that secondary uh, piece of offense. He can hit at a high average. He can swipe some bags, which he really didn't do at all last year uh, for the Mets. I don't expect him to do much of that this year, though. doesn't matter. He has the ability to do it, and he's a good base runner, too, and I know he had a lot of flubs and and faux pas last year when running the bases, Um, but if he can get to 80 or 90% of what he's been all his career and be on that team – a team that clearly struggles with offense, and there's a lot of lot of high risk, high reward players on the Mets. But he's an older guy, he's a veteran. There's a lot of young guys on that team, a lot of uh, young guys that are coming up and have had some some issues, like Darno. Darno can't throw a, a runner out for the same time. He's not a good catcher, which is so weird that that R. A. Dickey trade. He was the centerpiece of that trade, and Syndergaard wasn't. Like Syndergaard was a throw-in essentially in that trade. Which is wild. So I'm glad you brought up Jay Bruce. So I was thinking a lot about Jay Bruce recently. I pulled up his stats for his career. This man for his career, you can almost chalk up 25 home runs, 85 RBIs, and a 250 average. Yeah, but the, the, and I, with the thing that you, you're not mentioning yet, you might, and I might cut you off here, but his biggest attraction was always his RBIs. Right. And that's an illusion, and I'll tell you why. Because he had Joey Votto in front of him. Who's an on-base extraordinaire. He was, he led the league in on-base percentage for like the past like five years or something like that. He's always on base. And you can knock people in if they're on base. You know, But, but that's the problem with the Mets. There's nobody on base. Well, I'm glad that you brought him up because I think Mets have a, the Mets fans have a bad taste in their mouth regarding Jay Bruce. And it's a little convoluted because you look at this guy's track record and year in and year out, he has anywhere from 25 to 35 home runs, anywhere from 80 to 115 RBIs. And I don't see how you can expect him to do anything less than 250, 25, 30 home runs, 85, 90 RBIs. And if he does exactly that, 250, 25, 90, hell yeah. How can you be upset with that? So I'm glad you brought him up. I think Mets fans should be a little more optimistic about Jay Bruce than you know you felt from last year. The dude was so hot on the Reds last year, all first half. 
he was bound to slump once he came to New York, and he did. And people see Jay Bruce, and they uh, not Jay Bruce, Jason Bay, and they see all these old people that the Mets signed that crash and burned. Jay Bruce is a guy who has consistently been 25-90, I mean, 250-25-90, and 90, and that's what you should expect from him. I have, I, I saw something on, on, uh, on, I was on Reddit, I was on the baseball uh, subreddit, and it was like um, the most shocking age you found out of a baseball player, and I, I found out that Jay Bruce is only thir- uh, turning 30 next week. He's all, this is only his tenth year in the league. He's played. I nine feel seasons. like he's been in this league for thirty years. Like I thought he was. I, I honestly thought he was like thirty-five years old. That is wild to me that he's turning thirty next week. He's still in the prime of his career. But what? When did he come up? Right at the end of Griffey's career with the Reds. So that I was nine years ago. Yeah, now. I remember drafting him in fantasy baseball, and he was like a twenty-twenty guy. He's speed and power every year. Like you know, he would he would knock some home runs, steal bases, guaranteed you can set your watch to it every year. So. Jay Bruce is a good pick. I like I like what you did there. I'm going to go back to Sports Illustrated from their uh, MLB preview magazine. Their pick for most valuable player for the Mets, I think, was a pretty safe one, but also a very, very smart one. They picked Noah Syndergaard. But I will say this. As much as we love Thor and all Mets fans do, even... Don't even, worry about those bone spurs. Even non-Mets fans love Noah Syndergaard. I don't like Syndergaard. But, as a talent, I think he's unbelievable. I don't like him as a person. No, that's besides the point. People like him as a talent. They love to watch him. People like DeGrom. They like to watch him. People loved or hated Matt Harvey, but loved to watch him because he was electric. He got his fastball back up to 95 recently. I think he's, gonna, he's, in a, he's in a contract year too, isn't he? If he's not in a contract year this year, it's with arbitration. It's the year after that. So he's coming up on getting big bucks, and he wants the big bucks, obviously. Who doesn't? He's a guy the Yankees don't sign who in. needs to bounce back. Matt Harvey needs to have a good year this year. He's looked at as the big brother to Noah Syndergaard, Jacob DeGrom, Steven Matz. If he could come out... Because he's pegged as the number three starter for the Mets right now. If he could come out and be Matt Harvey or 90% of Matt Even Harvey. Even when Matt Harvey's not Matt Harvey, he's still putting up like a 3-2. Exactly. <laughs> so my dark horse for Mets MVP is Matt Harvey. But I think Noah Syndergaard's a very safe route. And obviously you just can't count out Suspettis. The man is a run producer. He hits home runs. He throws people out from when the outfield. When was the last time the Mets had a legitimate superstar like Suspettis? Like Syndergaard's like an amazing talent. He's he's a, a perennial all-star. He's great. And like DeGrom's great. But they're not superstars. They're not like electric factories. The you last know what I mean? real superstar, and this might be an unpopular opinion for Mets fans, for me, awesome. was Carlos Beltran. Yeah, that's true. Carlos Beltran was so underrated as a Met. He oh, put up great that. numbers. He happened to get hurt at a bad time or two. They didn't make the obviously the playoff run. He gets, he, remembered, he gets remembered for one. And he didn't one, swing at that curveball yeah. against Adam Wainwright in the NLCS. But Carlos Beltran was a stud. You know, it's funny. Me and Pete were having a conversation the uh, the other day about Carlos Beltran. I think he's an obvious Hall of Famer. I agree. And I said he's going to go in with, as a Met without a doubt. And Pete didn't think of it, but his best years were with the Mets, and he and the the middle of his career, like the meat. Yeah, and and he never won a World Series. Pete thought he won a World Series. He was just you know because he's been to the World Series before, and he's he's one, known as one of the best playoff hitters of all time. Uh, and he's, he, he said, well, he didn't win a World Series with us. I was like, he didn't win a World Series anywhere. He's going to go in as a Met. And I think you got to be happy with that. But I think Met fans are going to be shocked when that happens because they remember that one bat, uh, that one at bat against Wainwright. That's all they ever remember. I think he's a shoo-in for the Hall of Fame. The Hall of Fame. I don't think he's a shoo-in to go in as a Met. But would he, I, Who else would he go in as? It's a good question because I don't know. He hopped around after that. It's not going to be the Royals, but he was on the Astros for a short, short period of time. So it's not going to be them. He was on the Cardinals for a good amount of time. He's been on the Yankees. 
Uh, it's Rangers, really, Astros now. Yeah, so it's really interesting uh, for Carlos Beltran, a, sure, a surefire Hall of Famer in my opinion. Who is he going to go in on? Will he be the next Met, the one of three in the in the Hall of Fame? So uh, that's a good good thing to come up in five years. Uh, and again, we're going to have MLB.com Joe Trezza, MLB.com writer Joe, Joe Trezza on the podcast later in the week. So stay tuned for that. And tweet at us at SportBlogNYC as well as at me at Pete underscore Kennedy 81. Any questions you have for Joe Trezza, MLB.com writer, because we're going to do a big preview for the Mets, Yankees, and MLB all around. So it's going to be a lot of fun. I want to be the baseball guy. You are a baseball guy. No, I want to be the baseball guy for this podcast. Um, I think it's a little offensive that you just said, like, he's our baseball guy. Get a job for MLB.com. Uh, I do freelance work because I love the art. <laughs> I don't need to get paid for it. Okay? <laughs> you know, there's something about baseball writers. and I'm quick, not a nerd, Pete. <laughs> quick segue to uh, our last topic, which will be about uh, Eric Thames, the guy nicknamed God Tims. while playing in Korea. Tims. In Korea. Tims. Tim, Tims? It's pronounced Tims, like Marcus Tims. Really? It's spelled Thames. Sure is, like the Tims River. In... You're so uneducated and uncultured. Jesus Christ, Pete. <laughs> Maybe I need to hang out with more baseball writers. Speaking of Jesus Christ... What? God. Wait, I, I wasn't going to segue yet. Uh, I, did, I did a better job of segueing, though. That was pretty good. But wait, <laughs> there's, I was going to just say quick, before we talk about this last uh, subject, there's something about baseball writers that are kind of standing the test of time. Because, you know... Baseball writers are the worst. But, like, people, like, get the most attachments to baseball writers. I feel like, you know, Zach Lowe in the NBA, people love Zach Lowe. People, people either love or hate Bill Simmons. And there's other basketball writers who are, who are great guys, Bojanowski, but he's more of a breaking news type of guy. Baseball writers, like, people feel a real connection to them. I have a few that I really just really appreciate and what, what they bring to the table. Yeah, shout them out. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm a big Keith Law guy. Prospect mm-hmm. extraordinaire. Uh, I love Olney. Oh, Buster Olney. Uh, I think he's really good at what he does. He's not really a hot... The, the one thing I, I don't want... Like, it's weird because baseball writers aren't really hot take guys like the rest of the, the other leagues. But at the same time, they're all so stuck up and pretentious and like antiquated and what they want to talk about, which is so frustrating. Because like, I think if you're a baseball purist, you're probably like a nerd <laughs> and like not cool and like didn't have friends in high school and got shoved into a locker a lot. And then you got are you like, are you talking about Tim Kirkshen? No, Tim Kirkshen is the man. Tim Kirkshen is the man. You want to hear? There's a great story about Tim Kirkshen. Then we're gonna get into the last topic. I read a portion of his book uh, back in the day. There's a story from his first ever reporting job for a newspaper in Texas. He had to go interview the head coach of uh, SMU, right? So he gets on, on assignment. He gets driven out to this guy's house to go interview him. And I forget the name of the paper. Let's just say it was the Dallas Times. That's not even a real paper, I don't think. So I'm sure Tim, it is. Yeah, it might be. Shout out Dallas Times. Yeah, if you want right? to pay us, you know, we're available. <laughs> so Tim Kirkshen <laughs> shows up to this guy's house and say, Hi, I'm Tim Kirkshen. I'm here with the Dallas Times. And the guy goes, Oh, uh... Hold on, I, I'll go get the envelope. He thought Tim Kirkshen was the paper boy, collect, <laughs> collecting the fees for the weekly paper. Meanwhile, he was the beat writer for that man's team at the time and was going to interview him. So that was just a really interesting story. But let's go. Say, it was interesting. I would say it was really interesting. It was quite... I give it like a six and a half out of ten. It was interesting at Jace. God. Stop do- <laughs> I hate him. <laughs> Shout out Peter Rosenberg. I hate Peter Rosenberg. He's such an idiot. All right, so let's go to Eric Thames. 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 He is now the Milwaukee Brewers pegged in starter at first base. He just played his last three years in Thir- Korea. He's 30 years old, so he's like, you know, he's he's been around the block. It's not like he's a rookie like a Jose Abreu or something like that coming on an international contract and killing it. And he's nowhere. played in the MLB before. Before I he did went, it? I yeah, didn't know that. Before he went out to Korea, he played for 
four different teams, including their minor league affiliates. I'm pulling up the article now uh, so I can get those exact teams. But he's a guy who hit over 120 home runs in, in 380 <laughs> games in three seasons. And they literally nicknamed the man God. Do you think that this is going to be too much hype for him? Do you think that he's yeah, going to be able to handle the MLB? Korean like, what do you think is going to go on here? Korean players are not like Japanese players or like Dominican players or anything like that. Korean players are usually are bust. Like Byung-ho Park last year. I'm pretty sure it's Korean. I'm like 90% sure it's Korean. Bust. Jung-ho Kang. Um, had a good first season. He's from Korea. Bust the next year. Now he's not even allowed in the country because he had like six DUIs and these visa issues. They're usually busts. Um, but this Korean, guy is Korean, not... Korean League, you know how I was talking about how Japan League is not is no longer quadruple A? Korean League's like triple A. <laughs> it's not even quadruple A. So in 388 games, he batted 348 and had 124 home runs. It's like playing wiffle ball. <laughs> So you, you have low expectations for this guy. He's not going to be anything special. He'll be an average player. He'll be a league average player, which is good. I mean, he's on the Brewers. They have no, they're not a good team. They don't have a lot of protection there in the, in the lineup. What's he going to do? All right, so interesting fact about this story. Cecil Fielder, Prince Fielder's dad. Oh, former Yankee. Great. Did a very similar thing. He left for Japan after a, a number of seasons in the MLB. Played in Japan, became a superstar out there, and then came back. And what did he do his first year back? He had 31 home runs. <coughs> so this guy is a similar situation. What year was that? That was in 1990. Oh, no, wow. 1992 maybe. Oh my God. You know what was happening around that time? What? A lot of steroids, Pete. A lot of steroids. Hey, Cecil Fielder, big guy. How old was he when he did that? Uh, he was 26. Okay. All right. So like your body's in peak anyway, performance. I'm and- sorry. I said that he hit... 20, 31 home runs. He actually hit 51 home runs. Everyone was hitting home runs. And had 132 that. runs scored in 1990 for the Tigers. Okay. It's like you, the why, prime of steroids. So why are you saying that this guy has no chance to make it? Or why are your expectations so low? Because the league drug testing policy is very uh, extensive and strenuous. <laughs> he's not doing steroids. I'm not saying he's going to be a bad player. He's probably going to be league average. Might be worse. I, I, I want to do an eat, eat a sock bet. On this one? Yeah, I'll eat a sock. If he hits 30 home runs, I'll eat a sock. All right, deal. Fair enough. Because All right, so this guy played for Toronto, Seattle, Baltimore, and Houston. Oh, what, what division is he in? Now? Yeah. What, what division is Milwaukee Brewers in? The best division in the uh, league? Oh, weird, right? Not a lot of good pitchers on, like, the Cubs and the Pirates and, you know, the, the Cardinals. They don't have anything over there, right? All right. You know, I, I, I didn't expect this from you. I thought you would have a little high hope, some high expectation for this guy. No, I, I, I brought him up in my fantasy baseball draft just so everyone would else spend a lot of money on him in my auction league and I didn't I mean, I could waste that. He's not going to be great. So the Brewers expect, there's a quote from their GM, they expect him to be, I, our expectations is for him to be a very productive major league player. And they thought so highly of him that they cut former NL home run leader Chris Carter to make room to put also this guy trash. as a starter in first base. He's gonna get cut by the Yankees in like a month. Hmm. He's. Well, he, I think he's batting 109 in spring training. I mean, I don't like Chris Carter. I'm just saying the Brewers cut a man who led the National League in home runs to make room for this guy. With you know, it's a low risk, high reward pickup for me. And I think the expectations should be, you know, should be tempered. You shouldn't expect this guy to bat 300 and hit 40 home runs. But this guy, if you see him, he is jacked. He is chiseled out like some of the best players in the league. He has pop. I think there's a legit chance he takes this league by storm, hits a bunch of home runs. Maybe he bats 250, but at the same time, 
30 home runs is well in reach for this guy. I would disagree. All right, so the winner of this bet will eat a sock. What was my other sock bet? I don't know. <laughs> we'll fix it. We'll fix it in post. We'll figure it out. <laughs> All right, anything you got uh, that excites you for next week? Because we're not going to talk until the MLB season is officially underway. I can't wait. I can't wait. I'm, I'm, I'm going to opening day this year for the Yankees. But home it, opener. Yeah, their home opener, which is upsetting to me because I want to go first day. I love opening day. It's like it should be a holiday for me. I should just take off. It's like there's th- the three best days in sports for me. Number one is probably the first opening two days of, uh, of, of the tournament, the March Madness tournament, opening day, and then kickoff Sunday. But the, the opening day is just like magic. I love it. I can't wait. Hopefully it's a nice day out because I feel like you get that spring weather. You get a bunch of fields, a bunch of teams out on the field in the sun. It's 55 degrees, a little breeze. It's a beautiful time in the year. This is the time of the year, too, where I convince myself that there's a legitimate chance the Yankees are going to go to the World Series. And you know what? Almost every year there is. I would. I think the Red Sox just have such a good team. Oh, the Red Sox are great. They really are. They have so much talent. I don't think the Blue Jays are going to be good. Blue Jays are old. They're they're getting they're getting they don't have on a, the wrong side. They of don't have 30. a good, they, and they don't <laughs> they don't have a good farm system. But they do have Vladimir Guerrero Jr., which is awesome. They do have Josh Allen, who's an MVP candidate every yeah, year. Uh, Batista might come out trying to prove himself, but he's like thirty-seven years old too. He's not that old, but yeah, I think he might be around that age. Look I mean, that up, and that'll be the last thing we do. But again, this is the Sports Blog New York Podcast. My name is Peter Kennedy. I'm here with Alec Argento. If you haven't done so yet, and you like what you've been hearing, leave a rating and a review. And I'm going to shout out one man. His name on iTunes is GarbageMan75. So GarbageMan75, if you are listening, you said on iTunes as a review that this podcast sounds like a couple guys in their basement, but in a good way. They do a great job touching on New York sports as well as national sports. I like what they do. It's short and sweet, and they really enjoy it. So shout out to GarbageMan75. And if there's more garbage men out there who like this show, leave a rating and a review. Subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or now Google Play. And we appreciate every single listener. You know how old Jose Batista is? 35. 36 turning 37 soon. Wow. I guess I should eat a sock then. Oh, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is Sports Blog New York Podcast. My name is Peter Kennedy. Alec Argento. Hopefully you enjoyed the show. Have a good one. And baseball's around the corner. Tell your friends.